Good morning. I think our preacher just ruined his credibility a while ago when Gary on the film said, you know, we're off celebrating our 13th anniversary, but we really wish we were there with y'all. <laughs> okay. Kept a straight face when he said it, too, didn't he? Now, we're so glad that, uh, that he could, they could get away and do that. That's important. That's important. I love how Gary has been preaching lately on what he called core things, things that are at the heart of who we are and, and what we are, and I, I like that. And I want to stay in that theme today, to go maybe even to the very heart and soul and center of everything. We had a, I'm teaching a class, many of you know, on Wednesday night, just for men. Never done this before. Had just a men's class. Uh, it's fun. It's different. Um, but we started off with a discussion, posed a question. If you were going to explain to someone, if somebody asked you, what, is a, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is being a Christian all about? How would you answer that? What is the, what is the, the answer to that question? It's pretty important, you know, um, that we know that we have an answer, that we have the right answer. And perhaps today, maybe any more than, in, more than any other time in my lifetime at least, that is a legitimate question. I think when I was younger, it was kind of a, a given. Everybody knew. Today it's not. There's a lot of people that they, they don't know. They're not Christians. They don't uh, claim to be. But a lot of them are curious. They wonder about it. And so you may get that. And it's important that we have the right answer to that question. It's really kind of vital. What does it mean to be a Christian? And let me say first, I think perhaps, and this is me, I think perhaps at times in our history, we've given different answers to that question what being a Christian is really all about. What, is it, what does it mean? I think we've given answers like, well, now, we believe in a God who's given us a bunch of laws, very important laws and rules and rights, and our God expects us to keep those, to keep His laws, to keep His rules, to observe His rights, very diligently. And those, those people who understand those rules and laws and rights the best, and those who most faithfully keep them, they're the real Christians. And they're the ones that are going to heaven. So it's about the rules and the laws that we follow. That's, that's what we're all about. Or perhaps... Perhaps sometimes we've made the answer to that question, what is being a Christian really all about? It's about, well, it's about belonging to a church. It's about church. 
about who goes to church and who doesn't go to church. And not only that, who goes to the right church or not. The church that most correctly follows the teachings, that's who, that's who is, 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 are the real Christians. The ones who go to the right church that does the right things, that teaches the right things. And so that, that we get into some arguments about who's got the best church. My church is better than your church because, and, and debates take place and arguments take place, and converts have probably been made in both cases, but sometimes they may have been converted to a doctrine of laws and rules. They may have been converted to a church Is that what a Christian is? Is that the core, the heart of what it really means to be a Christian? I think we need to be sure that we focus on the right place. And that's what I want to talk about today is focus. Where we're looking. The center, the heart of what it's really all about. In John 14, you know the setting Jesus is within hours of his death. He's meeting with his disciples to, for the last time. He's telling them some very important things. And he's saying to them, you believe in God, believe in me. He's fixing to say some very important things, some vital things, some punch you in the face, look at me type things. And that's really what they are. Because when he said, I'm going away, and you know the way, he said, we don't know the way. What are you talking about? What is the way? Me. Look at me. I am the way. The truth. I'm the truth. I am the life. And just a little bit later, within seconds in that conversation, he was talking about, God, the Father. And, and Philip says, show him to us. Show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, look at me. Focus. You're looking at him. Focus. Don't get out there. Don't get distracted. Focus right here. The Gospel of John that records this puts this tremendous, as John is writing, this huge emphasis on this very thing. Look at Jesus. He starts off in chapter 1 with words that remind you immediately of Genesis. In the beginning. But he changes the focus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And he goes ahead and says, the Word created everything that was created. He really emphasized that. There was nothing created that he didn't create. And then he says in verse 14, and the Word, that this person that I'm talking about, became flesh and dwelt among us. 
John the Baptist is depicted as saying, look at him, there he is, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Look at him. That was John's mission. That was his calling to say, look at him. Even when his disciples begin to leave him and, and go with Jesus, he said, that's good. I must decrease. He must increase. Look at him. All through the book, look at him. Look at him. And even Jesus says, look. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the Lamb of God. I am the light of the world. I am the vine. You're the branches. I'm the vine. You can't do anything. Focus. Focus here. It's what he's saying. I am the resurrection and the life. Remember those words? At the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. He's been dead days. He's, it's too late. It's too late. The sisters say, oh, if you'd been here, you could have stopped this. Well, your, your brother's going to rise again. Sure he will in the, the resurrection. No, 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 no. Look at me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. Where's the focus? Look at me. Here I am. I am, as he said in this context in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Here's Jesus trying to get his disciples to grasp the truth, the reality, the magnitude of who he is and the place he must have in their lives. Your faith must be here in me. In me. Your devotion must be here. Your search ends here. I, I imagine this. If they had said, and this is from a Jewish point of view, Lord, we know that God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus would say, yes, that was me. We know that God called our father Abraham and gave promises to him. Yes, that was me. We know that God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. Yes, that was me. The plagues on Egypt and, and the deliverance of the children of Israel. Yes, I did that. I did that. That was me. He parted the Red Sea so they could cross. Yes, I did that. Isaiah reported a vision of seeing God high and lifted up in the throne room, filled with smoke, with angels flying around saying, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Jesus would say, that was me. Yet here he stood a man. We don't have any idea what he looked like. Just a man of flesh and blood. But him saying to them, that was me. That is me. That's who you're looking at, Philip. And so the Passover lamb was a picture of me. The scapegoat where they put the sins and ran him out of the camp, that was me, a picture of me. The high priest who went into the presence of God, that was me. See, it's all, all me. The scriptures are very clear. They try to tell us where our focus needs to be. Again and again. We told you, John the Baptist said, Behold, look at him. There's the Lamb of God. In Matthew 17, when Jesus and his three disciples were up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw something, he began to glow like the sun. Would you have loved to have seen that? Something, something of his divine radiance. I, I don't know. I can't explain that. I don't know what that was. And Moses and Elijah appeared there with him, and, and the disciples were, were thrilled to death. Oh, look, Moses and Elijah, we're in the company of greatness, the great lawgiver, the greatest prophet, and the next thing you know, they're gone, and the voice from heaven says, look at him. Focus. Don't get distracted. Yeah, Moses was great. He don't, he don't stand in the same company. Elijah was great. He's out of here. Look at him. Look at him. Listen to him. Focus on him. Paul wrote it in Colossians. All the New Testament writers did in one way or another, perhaps no more direct and clear than in Colossians, where they were having some problems with the doctrine of Jesus and his role and his place and all that. We won't go into that, but Paul is writing and he said, my prayer for you is that you may strive to please him in everything. What if? What if that was the purpose of our lives? What if to please Him in everything? What would that do to a person's life, you think? Please Him in everything. And then Paul goes ahead to say, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created 
by him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things exist, and he is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. First place in everything. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I thank God for, I guess I'm very aware of, is to know that God, God has a plan that he's working out here on earth. And number one, he lets me know what it is. I love that. I love knowing what it is God's trying to do in the world. And number two, that he lets me be part of it. I love that. That gives my life a meaning. Gives my life a direction. It gives my life a purpose. In all things that you might please him. That in everything, he is the center and the focus. The Hebrew writer did the same thing. It was a, it's an interesting book to read. It's a, it's a classic book. Do you know it's kind of considered that by those that maybe not, don't even believe in God, but just in literature, and they look at Hebrews and they say, wow, that's a, that is just a, a magnificent thing. The, the arguments that he makes and how he sets up. Here's angels and then tosses them away and points to Jesus. And, and Abraham and puts him aside and points to Jesus. And the old covenant and puts it aside and points to the covenant of Jesus. And, and on and on and just keeps focusing on and pointing to Jesus. And he said, let us consider Jesus and over in chapter 12, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, what he's saying is that the, all of the Scripture, all of the time, it all has been pointing here. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which does so easily entangle us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, having our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay. What is Christianity all about? What does it mean to be a Christian? Not a law. Are there laws? Yeah, but that's, it's not a law. It's not a church. Is there a church? Yes, but it's not about a church. about a man, that man that stood before those disciples that night and said, look at me, look at me, you want to see the Father, look at me, focus here. And every scripture, every book, every prophet, every speaker, 
keep saying, look, focus, there he is. What is being a Christian? It's saying like he asked us to. You believe in God? Believe in me. I think it's saying like Thomas did. I have a hard time with this. Until he finally saw, he finally focused. He fell in his face and said, my Lord and my God. You are my Lord and my God. Over in Philippians 2, Paul talks about the same thing. He talks about Jesus who came down and gave up everything and went to the cross. And as a result of that, that God highly exalted him. We've been singing songs. Thank you so much. Great selection of songs. Perfect. Gave him the name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and as I have said so many times, and it's so important, Christianity is individual. Not saying Jesus Christ is Lord of the cosmos, that he's Lord of heaven and earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. That he's Lord of the church. Yes. No, no, no. No. My Lord. My Lord. Individual, personal, my Lord, the one I follow, the one I love, the one I trust with everything. Is there a church? Yes. But let's keep it in perspective. He said, if you're going to follow me, find other people who also are following me and y'all get together. And worship and work together. That's the church. Oh, we get all caught up in a lot of things. What ought it to be called? What ought it to be? You know, the church doesn't ever have a name. There's not a name. There's a description. The body of Christ. The church of God. It's not a name. It shows who, what it is. The assembly that belongs to God. The church of Christ. The assembly that belongs to Jesus it's all about Jesus. It stays with him. Oh, we get into all kinds of arguments. How many angels can stand on the head of a pen? Who cares? <laughs> Baptism? You have to be baptized. No, you don't have to be baptized. You ought to be baptized. You don't have does, does he want you to be baptized? Question answered. Answered. What does he say? You see, that becomes everything to us. Not because the law is everything, but because he is everything. And it begins to clear up when we focus on the right place, on the wrong, on, in, in the, on the right person. Our faith is about 
a person, the man, Jesus Christ. But some say, but he died. Yes. A lot of people have trouble with that. I, God, you're saying God, and yet he died on the cross. Mm, that, is that a problem? Was to the Jews. He said, well, see, we know he wasn't really God. He, he died. He couldn't stop it. What if he could? You know, he said he could. All, all I have to do is say the word, 12 legions of angels will wipe them all out. Well, you're going to do that? No. You're going to let them kill you? Yeah. Yeah. Is that important? Oh, yeah. Real important. few minutes ago we went through a, a rite, a ritual, a service, call it what you will. We all ate some bread. We ate some bread. We drank some grape juice. It was all about that death. All about that man dying. And that just boggles the mind. You're going to tell me he was eternal God reigning on the throne and that he let himself die? Yes. Who ever heard of such a thing? Nobody. Nobody. But you see, our faith is in the man three days later who walked out of that tomb alive. That's what our God can do. That's what our God can do. And so he says, I got it. You come follow me. I got the answers. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the resurrection. I'm going to give your life meaning. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He's the way. He's the answer. And he's the only one. And you are privileged to know him. That's why we sing these wonderful songs. I told Chuck when we were talking about this, we got to sing, Behold Our God. Ah, we got to sing that. That's what he's doing. Behold our God. And so we lift him up. My prayer has been today that I will lift him up. He promises to be with us always. He's here. He's here. He's in you. He's in Chuck. He's in Steve. He's in, he's in you. He's in me. I say, well, I don't know. If he's in you, we'd be seeing something a little different, wouldn't we? Well, you know. Come a long way. I've been transformed a lot. He says he'll do that. Not only will he give your life meaning, he will change who you are. Make you more like him because he's the one we follow. It's a man. Our religion is all about a man who was and is God the Almighty. And it's our job, number one, 
to exalt. Exalt Christ in our lives. I looked it up. Handel's Messiah was written about 1740, 41. Performed for the first time in, in Dublin in about uh, 1742. A year later in London. You know the Messiah. You, you, you know that it's, it's his, this great composer's composition. It's kind of almost an opera singing about the prophecies of Christ, the coming of Jesus, and then the resurrection, and that's where the hallelujah chorus comes in. Oh, and he shall reign forever and ever, King of kings, Lord of lords, hallelujah. Oh, I wish I'd said that. The first time that was played, is my understanding, in London, the king was there. And as it began that chorus, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever, the king stood. He recognized he's the one. And every time that that's, it's traditional now, when that's played, to stand. He's the one. He's God's plan. If you're not a Christian, we're not going to ask you to join a church. We're not even going to ask you to follow any set of rules. We're going to ask you to give your life, devote your life to following Him. And all that other stuff will work out. It'll work out. Without shame, without reservation, without apology, we invite you to follow him. If you've gotten off track, if you've lost focus, get it back. Put him back in the center, put him back in the heart, put him back in your mind. Make him number one. As we stand and sing here in just a minute, if you need any of us to pray for you, there'll be some elders around the edge, the ministers around. I, I can tell you personally, we love it. We're touched. We're humbled when you come. And we're there. If you need to give your life to Jesus, come right up here and say so. If you need us later on, there'll be some elders in the gathering place. Because, see, because we love him, man, we love you. We love you. See, he's taught us how valuable you are and how much you mean to him and therefore to us. You want to come? Chuck, please. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are